Alright, and welcome to another chapter of the Bonus Room Podcast. Uh, tonight, we will be discussing storytelling in video games, and video games as a medium for a narrative. Um, my name is Ben, and I am joined by Connor, Pato, and Clancy. Hello. My ever rambunctious trio of uh, video game uh, fans. Uh, although Pato sometimes hates video games. Apparently. Uh, chat going on on Twitch right now. Um, but that's alright. Uh, tonight, uh, Pato will be playing a game he absolutely hates. Um, a indie uh, swimming simulator called Abzu. Um, that well, like, absolutely garbage. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what a fun. Uh, recommended well, by Clancy. I don't actually hate the game. Did ever. you just say water pun? Yeah. Water pun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We can't start the podcast off like this. It's a great way to hook in the viewer. Uh, this is a real good start. Look at that view um, count drop from one to zero. <laughs> um, so we'll be discussing all kinds of storytelling. Uh, Abzu has uh, environmental storytelling uh, with some like collectible things that enhance the story. It's very much like Journey, because it's made by the Journey people. But, before we go on that journey, let us talk about the journeys we've each individually been on um, in the last while by discussing what games you guys have been playing lately. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll, I'll go, go first. first. Oh, no. fine then, you go first. No, that's alright. All right. No, my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bought a Vive, <laughs> so I've been playing oh, yeah. a few VR uh-huh. titles. Um, mainly oh, yeah, free yeah, ones. Like yeah, good. Um, I thought my room was too small, and the um, but after smashing all my furniture yeah. and big vases, <laughs> after breaking three TVs, um, no, and I thought the light towers had to be very specific, and then I just set them up wherever I could. They're too far apart. They're not high enough, and it just works fine okay. so far. Walk us through what you need to set up. Like what? So there's two light towers already involved. Okay. So one's... Oh, hang on. There's a fish I can grab, I think. Um, <laughs> one's, one's on the just a windowsill, and the other one is just sitting above the fridge. So they don't have to be like... They say what, what no... What are they detecting? So they are detecting... Um, the Vive itself has like a whole bunch of sensors on the actual headset. Okay. Um, and actually the controllers as well. So they're keeping track... I guess the theory is one in front, one behind, so when you're rotating, they don't lose tracking, which is yep. one of the problems with PSVR, is you've only got the camera in front. Yeah. Um, and it just positions you in the world. I've got the smallest space possible to do the room tracking, but it still works. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So I've played a couple of the free ones, like accounting. Rec Room's pretty good for a free title. There's yep. a whole bunch of different, like, paintball... They've got like an adventure quest kind of thing where it's players versus AI. Um, there's hangout rooms and all sorts of stuff. So that's been interesting. Um, and I bought Arizona Sunshine, which is just a zombie shooter game. Um, played that with a friend, which was also very good. Um, Have you played VR chat yet? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not brave enough to dive into that yet. No. We'll join you. You can be in VR, yeah. and we'll watch your hands move. That's going to be one of our special VR. episodes. That's a, oh yeah, let's do. Yeah, we've been playing that. We've been playing that since the beginning. And the only other thing I've been playing is State of Decay Two. I'm on my fourth community now. Um, <laughs> I've barely started my first. I think we spoke about. Why is he eating all the fish? I think we spoke about this last time, so I won't go into it too much. 
I can't control where this is going anymore. I'm gonna let it go. I just like to mention the people listening to this on iTunes going, he's like, why is he talking about fish? <laughs> ben mentioned we're playing Abzu, they'll understand. <laughs> yes. But before you do leave this area, you should grab onto a dolphin and try and jump out of the water. Oh, it, it, it looks pretty cool. Oh, next um, <laughs> uh, uh, so which VR game would you say has been the best so far? Um, Rec Room for Variety. Okay. And it's free. And how long have you been able to play? Like, have you experienced any nausea or anything? Um, You're tired both, both Rec Room and Arizona Sunshine have teleport movement, but you can yep. also move to using the touchpad for movement and when I yeah. was using the touchpad I felt a bit nauseous yeah okay. um, but teleporting has been fine so oh. yeah I have so tried a I tried um, GT Sport Gran Turismo on yep. a PSVR and that made me sick instantly <laughs> um, it's motion uh, Randall was explaining to me it's like motion without movement makes yeah. you feel yeah like, there's a there's a lot of um, elements to it. Like um, they have to simulate the nose bridge that you usually ignore in your vision, but you technically always see your nose, but your brain filters it out. It out. Yeah. So if you don't have that kind of space blacked out somehow, then it makes you really sick as well. Like this, it's I'm really so, fascinated by the the physics of it. Are you saying that every VR game should have a nose in there? Yeah. <laughs> ben, pretty think, much. How do I get off this rock? Alright, I'm done. That's about all I've been all playing. Right. Oh, sorry. Oh, what have you been... oh, sorry, yes. sorry, sorry. Oh. And the terrible new Pokemon game, to Pokemon Quest. Quest? Oh, I yeah, played I that it's... on my Switch. Is it bad or just average? Or like just really dull? Like, is it. It's dull. Like, you go, you go into a map, your Pokemon automatically move, yeah. you touch a few buttons to fight, um, and that's the crux of no, the I've never seen anything anything saying about that it being like terrible they're just saying it's just it's just not fun like it's just like a mobile yeah. game coming yeah. to the mobile month it's just on switch as well yeah my fiance has been enjoying it a lot but she likes quite mindless tapping game yeah mm. and it's the typical mobile stuff like you can enter five arenas before your energy runs out and then you um have to wait 10 minutes per energy slot or you mm. can pay them real monies um yeah. That's it. I'm done. Yeah. Cool. So trying to figure really out what's right. going next. Connor, what have you been playing? Um. Well, I think you might know what I've what I've been playing. The well, I I'm always playing the Capitan first of all, but um, uh, in terms of like a new game, is the Mario Tennis Aces demo that was out on the weekend. Oh, nice. Yeah. Ben and I were playing. Yeah. So, um, what was your experiences with it? I reckon it's pretty good. They yeah. um they give you a lot of options to I don't know like a whole like you know to do your own like create like little ta tactics and um I don't know I'm not good at explaining things I'm terrible yeah. at explaining. I found things. it was nearly like a fighting game like <laughs> yeah. anticipating what your opponent's gonna do mm -hmm. and then inputting the correct action for that situation and you lose yeah. when you when you input the wrong action and it's all about learning what people are going to do in certain situations and how to count yeah them. like Did they give you, you good break a racket it's like um i broke a lot of racket i got i got <laughs> someone out by ko once all the time yeah oh, nice i did get someone out by ko once so that was pretty fun it was a waluigi ko so I, felt, I did feel bad yeah it's when you know because you have two rackets and yeah. if you broke both break both of them you instantly lose you instantly win. 
<laughs> the other person, well, the other person, yeah, you win if the person whose brackets break, like, instantly loses. That's yeah. probably the best feature in a tennis game I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's pretty good, because you don't want to, the worst thing about tennis games is some matches can go on forever. Mm. You don't want to be, like, in a match where you're losing. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's clearly miles ahead in skill level. But, like, you're given, so to um... Kind of options to, to mercy you out of the match <laughs> if you suck is, I think, pretty good feature. And, um, yeah, they give you, like, heaps of options, like the zone shots, which is, once you have enough energy, they have, like, an energy bar, you can, um, pause time and aim with the, with the gyro controls, and, like, shoot it in the opposite direction, or, or if you want, you can shoot it at the opponent, hopefully break their racket, but if they time it right, um, they'll just get pushed back a bit, they won't actually break it. Um, and there's, like, special shots and zone speed, which is where you can, like, slow down time, and so you can reach the ball, and you can do, you can, like, um, do trick shots where you can like uh, slow down time and move to the other side of the court to get the ball, like lock onto the ball and stuff like that. No, that's fine. I haven't really played many of the Mario Sports games. Yeah, played, uh, I, think I was about to say Mario like Golf. this already sounds better than whatever the last Mario Tennis came out on Wii U because that was yeah that like, was nothing real <laughs> cutback yeah 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 they definitely responded to that and that's um, really good because I've been looking forward to that. Didn't you play it or? Uh, no, I didn't have time on the weekend. Uh, okay. But, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it comes out at the end of this month, so we don't have long to wait. I only managed to yeah. win one tournament, and it was just a chain shot. <sighs> I didn't get to win any, I always lost in the finals. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's it's a good party co-op sport game that people need for this. I'm really looking forward to doubles tournaments. I'm going to host a day and make everyone wear polo shirts. <laughs> we'll have a, a, a doubles tournament I think will be really fun. Um, I think it's got a few little like online features that are really nice. Um, like you participate in tournaments but you don't have to commit the match now or one match later. Um, you can cancel players with low internet quality if you yeah. want. You don't have to play against them. That was really nice. So they, we just, could, they put a lot more we'll thought into it than they would normally. Basically. <clears throat> Possibly. I think Connor's internet was just as bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mine was okay. I had a good, I had a fair um, good amount so, of like good matches. There was just some of them that were laggy and unresponsive. Do you know if it? It's probably not hosted. It'll be peer to peer, won't it? You yeah, were so. lag, but yeah. I had this match where yeah. ball. If you committed to the shot before um, they served, uh, so we kept juices and advantages for. Then you keep cutting out. <laughs> What's new? Yeah. Why am I collecting blob? No, part of the story, man. Uh, <laughs> um, Clancy's turn. Is that hold on? It's me. Yeah. Um, no one, no one cares what Ben's been playing. I feel like it's good that I'm going last because my um, sort of game that I played this week um, is actually interesting in terms of story so it like leads into the actual topic are you gonna do um, a segue yeah i'm gonna do a segue, <laughs> segue. <laughs> um so um this week i played a game called moon hunters which um is kind of like a roguelike but instead of being about combat it's about story um uses like emergent storytelling um so to like every time you go through the story, like every time you go through the game, it sort of tells a different story. Um, 
which I think is an interesting idea. Um, so you you play as one of a, like a bunch of heroes with different abilities and stuff, um, and your goal is to defeat this sun cult um, who's killed the moon goddess that everyone worships or something. Um, and as you go through, you sort of you, you go through sort of different areas um, and like fight some monsters there and interact with some um, people who like procedurally generated like just sort of show up with their different like mini quests and stuff. Um, and how you interact with them affects um, like your reputation, um, and which can affect sort of how you can then interact with people later on in the um, sort of quote-unquote story. Um, and yeah, it's kind of it kind of yeah builds on itself with the procedural generation um, and what, like how you react to it. What kind um, of style is it? Like platformer. Oh, or isometric um, or yeah, it's it's isometric uh, pixel art. Cool. Um, and then yeah, like as after each area, you like sit down at like a campfire, um, and like it gives you a little blurb about like what you did that day or like a bit of backstory on sort of your character, um, or some combination or whatever. Um, and like at the end of the game, it's like, okay, that's the story of this adventurer and. You know, they they were known for these amazing feats and how, you know, aggressive they are or how cunning they are or something, you know, um, based on, yeah, how you interacted with all the sort of different elements as you went through. Um, which I don't think the game is amazing. I think it's a little unde- undeveloped, like it needs a lot more work. But um, as a concept, I think it's really cool to have that kind of emergent storytelling is um, it um is it out out or early access? Uh, it's out out. It's mm. I think it's a, like a tiny little thing. Yeah. Um, that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> I've I've heard of a couple of interesting games that have been coming out soon. One was like a a Castlevania type thing that switches between four players, and the other one is the one you've mentioned, but I couldn't remember what kind of game it was. Um, mm. But yeah, it sounds like so they tried to do. An interesting idea, but the gameplay wasn't quite there. I mean, that's how indie games work most of the time. Um, they have cool ideas, but they're not able to really execute because they don't have resources. Yeah. But yeah, I'm. Yeah, as I say, I'm more interested in the interesting idea than the actual completed product. So the gameplay is interesting enough that you would keep playing, or you did keep playing for. Um, I played through it. I played through it once as most of the characters, um, just like to see how it ends up differently and stuff. Um, but no, I wouldn't play it over and over again. Yeah. Again, I, I played it as a concept, not as like. Yeah. I kind of play lots of it. That's how I played most games, honestly. <laughs> um. So yeah, that was interesting. Um. And I feel like from there we can kind of move on to the main topic and I've, I've got other things I want to talk about but maybe I'll hand it off to someone else for a bit <laughs> Ben um, what did you play he's got more ideas oh I thought Ben already he joined in Connors for tennis have we lost Ben completely oh, oh that's why I was confused yeah oh has he disappeared like he's he says he's talking on the discord I can't hear him though. Oh. I can't hear him <laughs> did you mute your mic Ben 
No, he's not no, muted. No, he seems to be that. Uh, I can, like, every now and then his mic shows up as, like, a noise is coming through, but not any talking. It's a very good podcast. Mm. <laughs> what game is Clancy talking about? I zoned out. What was that? Moon something? Uh, Moon Hunters. Moon Raker. What? Not Moon Raker. Moon Hunters. Yeah. Available now on Steam. We are not sponsored. Oh, and Ben is completely gone. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So. Now that he's was, gone, we can talk about him. Well, he was supposed to lead the discussion about uh, storytelling in games, so. Um. <laughs> Amazing. What do you Let's like? Let's talk about our favorite episode. Well, one of the things today. that I really like, but I don't understand. Um, yeah environmental storytelling because ah yes i generally i explore when i play games but i don't necessarily pay a large amount of attention so i love the dark Souls series um Mm. and the law's not exactly delivered in a direct fashion um Mm. i quite enjoy watching videos that have gone into depth of you know yeah they've piece together item descriptions and it's even things like where what particular bodies are in what what area or you know what zone is next to another zone and they piece together a story from that um, yeah yeah even though i don't I mean, it, understand it i quite enjoy it environmental storytelling is something that should just exist in basically every game um at least to some degree. to some degree yeah 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 um and dark souls does do it very well and i think it's more a matter of when a game does it badly, it's a problem, than it is when a game does it well, that's a good thing, in my opinion. It's do just you, a thing that should exist. <laughs> do you have off the top of your head an example of someone that's done it bad? Or in your opinion, um, has done it badly? Well, you, it's kind of difficult to do it badly so much as just not do it. Because it's, it's not easy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... I guess. <laughs> um, so, and... There's plenty of games out there that, like, even good games that are, um, do it to, like, a minor degree, um, which, I don't know, like, what's a game I played recently that I wasn't impressed by it, um, Okay, uh, the other day I was playing Nuclear Throne, which is, I know it's oh, procedurally yeah. generated, Yep. so, like, it's got a bit of an excuse, but, like, if you look at Nuclear Throne, the actual level itself doesn't tell you anything. Okay. Um, and, to be fair, you could put some kind of environmental storytelling even in a procedurally generated game like that. It would be more difficult, but it's viable. Um, what else have we been playing recently? Uh... But for a game like that, let's say, so Nuclear Throne is, what, like a roguelike, you're trying to make it to the end of a procedurally generated world as some form of mutant? Is that right? That. Uh, yeah, it's like post-nuclear apocalypse. And so does it need... Like weird mutant special powers. Does no, it, it even it, need a story, though? Because no, no. a lot of it is based on... Yeah, no, I, I'm not saying Nuclear Throne is bad because it doesn't have one. And no, yeah, yeah, no, I'm just And, and it's definitely the kind of game that can get away with not having one. I'm just yep. saying it would be improved by having one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you definitely could... And in a game like Nuclear Throne, where, you know, there is 
a potentially interesting setting. You could definitely put all sorts of, um, you know, just placing random sort of bits of environment art um, in in the level that you don't necessarily really interact with, but like, you know, um, placing some mutated dead bodies together in a particular array might sort of tell a story of how they died in the apocalypse or something, you know? Yep. Where at um, the moment you're left with nothing. It's just get into yeah. the game and play. Yeah, which is fine, but yep. yeah. Um, I wonder, um, with modern game design, we are losing a bit of that um, environmental storytelling because uh, game design becomes much more uh, resource efficient and um, so people don't plan to make assets for stuff that isn't essential to what they're making as often. Um, do you think maybe game designers don't put in that little extra bit of effort into put giving a place a story? It's just uh, more function over. Um, I don't know. To me, it doesn't seem like it would be that big of a deal to do a bare minimum, and a bare minimum goes a long way in environmental storytelling. Um, and yeah. a lot of games do do a bare minimum, um, and they're like they'd be a lot worse without it. Um, someone yeah. mentioned Borderlands earlier, so that's why it's in my mind. But Borderlands has occasionally got little bits and pieces just scattered throughout the levels, which they're not big deals, but they do tell a bit of a story occasionally. But not even that. There's a few, like not not necessarily throwaway lines, but like just snippets, I guess, of informations on the corporations thrown yeah. in every now and then. So it's not. Yeah, it's one of those games where story is not exactly punched at you all the time but it's, yeah i guess borderlands the, suffers from the it, type of game it is that you're not it's like, about making the world feel lived in yeah uh, d d despite the fact that you're in like some kind of fantasy sci-fi crazy thing it makes the world feel kind of real um and that's really important for immersion um and i think um yeah. in breath of the wild um the world is very well designed uh, for feeling like it's lived in, but uh, the biggest criticism is there's not quite enough reward for finding all these interesting places. There's all these really interesting like ruins and shrines and landmarks, and you can associate them with various battles across Hyrule in uh, different eras, and all the names on the map come from an origin place in the series, but uh, often there's not quite enough to go with it, and you're like, Oh, this was just put here to make it interesting, but enough. Um, there's a game called Tacoma. Um, might not have heard of, <laughs> um, but it's basically made of environmental storytelling. You, you guys probably haven't heard of it. You, you would Is that like the one it? where you're um, you're on like a ship and you're following ghosts around to piece together the story? Um, yeah, I think you're thinking of that wrong. Um, you're. You've got recordings of the crew, yeah. um, like dealing with this accident, and you're, yeah, you're following them around, and there's like sort of just bits and pieces of their lives all over the place, and you just sort of explore what's going on with them, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and yeah, so that, that's a game, yeah, that's pretty much entirely built on um, environmental storytelling. Um, you get really invested in the characters just because you're like looking through that stuff. And stuff. I guess the way it's presented would help in getting invested in their 
mm. story a lot more than some other games. Uh, yeah. Where's Ben? <gasps> um, I find stories a bit more immersive if you're given a character to players. Not creating your given, own? Well, I, creating your own is fine if you can view your character. <laughs> I don't really like the walking simulators where you're just a pillbox that you never see. Maybe you have a hand attached to you and you're oh, picking up other people's story. I like to be in a video game, a character that's part of a story and living out that story. So whether it's I've been given a pre-made character, um, but they fit into the lore a certain way in an RPG, or if it's something like Skyrim where I'm making their own character, Yep. Um, and living out their life. And, and I like to have a play as a character with the backstory that you role play um, I was, I was going to say that um, I think a game should be designed gameplay first and story later, but I think it is actually the story that attracts people to play games. Obviously not like small arcade games, but like as a kid, the reason I would pick up a video game is because I was interested in the story. And that story didn't even have to be that substantial like a lot of platformers have this really basic story of oh you're the hero of the magical world and now you've got to go save the princess of the magical world and you gotta fight the bad guy of the magical world and there's not much story except for the environments of sprites and, and stuff in the level but mm. even that little hook of like this is the premise and this is what you're living out it, it makes you feel uh, more in sync with the button presses you're pressing your actions of your character correlate with them overcoming trials. And I think most video games, whether they have dialogue or not, probably follow the patterns of a hero's journey. Uh, like the famous mm, basis yeah. for how to tell any kind of story. Um, like even Mario, he's overcoming trials and stuff to save the princess. He's, he's an everyman come from nowhere kind of thing. Um, I think I like story in video games for so that aspect of this is the fantasy we're exploring, and then a game should then enable that story for I you to experience it as best you can. Disagree. I think story <laughs> is important, but if the gameplay is not there, I'm not going to find out what the story has to say. If, yeah, I think gameplay is very important. If your gameplay is so bad that, like, you could have written the best story in the world, like, I might as well go read a book. Um. Well. I would actually disagree in the opposite direction, maybe. I don't know. Um, and nothing's important, but... and you shouldn't play games. <laughs> no. But um, I would bring up a game called The Magic Circle. Who's played The Magic Circle? Yeah. Magic Circle. Okay. So, for anyone who hasn't played The Magic Circle, you're um, playing in. Uh, you're playing as someone who's testing a game, um, and like you've got the game's developers sort of flying around arguing and messing around with stuff and the game is like very much not completed um they're trying to publish it mess. at e3 show off a trail at e3 but the game's not finished it's abandoned where they're just trying to pump it out and make it yeah. this AAA title even though it's, it's like this game has been in development for like 20 years or something is this super and meta yeah and is, this is. What, is this what you play a game developer school no and um the mechanics of the game are about messing around with the the mechanics of the game kind of thing um you pull which script I mean, from a monster that yeah, can, you, that's on fire 
and you put it on a rock and now that rock's on fire or you yeah. pull the follow script from one character stick it on that rock now that flaming rock is following you exactly um which means that the the mechanics of the game are very much grounded in what the story is about or what the context is um and i think that's an issue that we have with a lot of AAA games at the moment where they've all got pretty much the same mechanics and the story's tacked on on top um where what i feel like they should be is let's tell this story what mechanics does that um mean we should be using is yeah. that because game developers aren't building those mechanics it's not a new mechanic they're like oh this game this genre is selling let's do that so or this is the genre because a lot of games now are just sequels so you can't it's kind of hard to go i'm gonna write a story for battlefield but we're gonna turn it into an rts um because that's what fits the storytelling mechanic um one new IP, I think you're right, and they just go, this genre is selling well, let's make a RPG, let's make a Battle Royale, because everyone's doing that now. <laughs> um, I don't mean as... I, I don't sort of mean that on a scale of genre. Like, you, you yeah. can set out to make an RPG. I, I mean, like, the the mechanics within the RPG should be based on the story. Yeah. Um, for example... Uh, I think I brought this out, brought this up a few months ago. But um, um, a while back, I played The Witcher, and it had this the Witcher sense mechanic, where yep. because he's like special senses, he can see stuff. Because it's a mutant. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. He's the Witcher. He's got like super smelling or whatever. <laughs> um, and then I don't know. <laughs> super smelling. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then you know, I saw it in like Tomb Raider, and it's exactly the same mechanic. And I'm like, this does not make sense. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's Hunter's sense. Why? What? In Tomb Raider, <laughs> right. it's different. That is, that is She's an archaeologist. <laughs> Look, are you a woman? Can you tell if women have that power or not? No. No, she's a Tomb Raider. Well, um, she's not there yet, and, is she? Oh, I. And there was a few other games. Where, where else did I see it? But like the same mechanic was like everywhere. Oh, I think I, I think I saw someone playing Assassin's Creed. Yeah, it's the Evening Vision or something. That's and always I was like, had what it. Is this and Watch Dogs Two and Far Cry. Far Cry Far has Cry. it. And like, Far Cry does. You're, a, you're supposed to be just a normal dude. Why can you see stuff magic? Persona <laughs> has it to an extent. You have a thief's vision that helps you see certain things about the enemies and escape routes. Mm. Um, I well, yeah, that I think are put in not as cleverly as they might fit the narrative. Um, Tom has mentioned Batman has it as well in the chat. Uh, oh, no, but Batman's the detective. Batman's look at the yeah, chat. Sort of <laughs> he has detective vision. Well, he's got all the tools. That's kind yeah. of fitting. Yes, he, he has. He, he built contact lenses for his eyes that but make just, him see things. It is, it is weird that gadgets, magic gadget eyes, will play the same way as actual magic Detec eyes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Mm. And you're right. The probably at, at least fifty percent of the games that have it shouldn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. A lot of the time, it's not um, built into the narrative. Like even in Hitman, it's like the Hitman sense. And I guess because <laughs> you've been a Hitman for so long, you have the sense. Yeah, special yeah. Hitman eyes. <laughs> Yeah, we contracted your eyes to see for you. So that means I can tell the path that someone's going to walk. I know which corner they're going to go around. 
I can see Which this knife through a wall. Which makes no sense. Because I mean, I'm a hitman. Even aside from being able to justify putting it in, like, into a game um, lore-wise, why would you give someone in a stealth game the ability to see ahead of time what paths people are going to walk in? Because that's the whole people, point of stealth games is to watch what's games going these on days. and react to it. <laughs> yeah, people are bad at games these days and they don't want to have to restart. Um, I, I heard something today that... Uh, what's his name? David Cage, the guy that does Beyond Two Holes and Detroit Become Person. Um, it's like a, a game over screen is a failure of game design. And I'm like, nah, that's not true. Like, that would lead to a whole bunch of unchallenging and boring games. Yeah. <laughs> Very long game I mean, it, it, I mean, it depends on the game, obviously. In a game like absolutely like you're playing, you don't want game over screens because it's pointless. Mm. Well, it would but, probably um... spice the game up a little bit. <laughs> what about if you had a gun and you had to, well, okay, you had to so shoot the, all the fish? The, yep. the problem there isn't with Abzu. The problem is that it's just not a game that's When sort of do I get my spear fishing? <laughs> Garpoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just like depth. Yeah. Um, um, oh, wow. Tom was, Tom was, Tom was also what? saying that Metroid does that uh, thing really well because it's like the visor settings. We can like scan things and use heat vision and all that as well. And that's the thing. Yeah, There's man. not enough games that have a legit well, gameplay reason for it. Hmm. Heat vision makes sense. If you've got a virus that gives you heat vision and it's, and it's actual heat vision, and hmm. like if there's a cold-blooded enemy, it's yeah. like you can't see it with your heat vision. I'm pretty sure... Yeah, that sounds like... like it would be cool. I don't know, I haven't played that game, but it I'm could be sure cool. I'm pretty sure ABP2 You can use it to like land your ship and stuff as well. It like has a bunch of settings, because like, and it makes sense because it's like your visor settings. You know, it's like your helmet hmm. and stuff. Yeah. I've actually always thought um, not many games use the camera as a mechanic. Um, I think we joked that I think we joked that recently about making a game where you're a midget and to look over the top of a counter you had to jump to see inventory <laughs> or something. But Ben, I mean, you can't like, say that word. But inventory. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't worry. Small person. Height. Small person. person. It's um, a mini man. No, but I, I think it'd be interesting if more games used uh, cameras for storytelling. Like, in what sense? You can shift your perspective to an NPC's oh. camera and maybe you see something different. Or um, there's a boss fight in um, Legend of Zelda uh, Phantom Hourglass. And they only do this one time at the very end of the game where uh, your party member gets kidnapped. And on the bottom screen, you see the boss's back from their perspective. They're like glued to the boss's back. And so they tell you when the boss opens their weakness eye at their backside, because you can see on that screen from their camera angle. Um, so you've got to keep an eye on both screens of DS. And I just thought that was really clever. And I don't know, I feel like cameras are underused both as gameplay and for storytelling. Um, we have a lot of screens for games. Yeah, um, I'm not sure that you using camera in that sense would be overly practical. Maybe? Um, what about the camera in Gear of War? Yeah, it's seamless, Actually, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that was incredible use of story camera. Um, I've only... I, I think I only really noticed it because I'd heard it before I played that it was one continuous shot. So I was paying attention, but now I've mm. been paying attention in other games that I've been playing. Um... And just thinking, you know, why? Oh no, I was watching a video for 
that game that's not coming out anymore. Well, not till next year. Days Gone, that zombie one on PS4. Mm. And it's just has all these unnecessary cuts, and it just kind of makes you appreciate a little bit more. Like, the, I'm sure it would have been a bit more effort for the God of War team to do it, but yeah, they've done it in such a good way. Mm. There's um, an incredible just coordinating of like sequences where you move great distances. Yeah. You're, it's in the same shot. Like, and, and obviously, there's a lot of tricks at play. And there was a few times where I could see where they had faded out the screen or whatever, but very, very subtly. Um, but it was very impressive that, like, just that thought of what is the viewer going to see and how is the story being told by what they see. And a lot of the times, characters will step in front of you that you don't expect because they're, they're coming off your camera screen. It's very clever because they could spawn stuff in and you would not notice because your camera was distracting. Yeah, you can't be looking, you know, to the right or whatever. Um, God of War also uses a story mechanic that we haven't seen too much, um, which is the adult and the child. Yeah. (laughs) You carry around a head that gives you exposition for hours on it. (laughs) Yeah, you've got Mimir. Um, Yeah, uh, there's a couple of things I want to say about how God of War has done story, and I know a little bit about Greek mythology, so a few of the surprises weren't really surprises, but that didn't really matter. Um, the way that they filled in the dead time with Mimir telling stories um, and also the interactions I felt between Kratos and Boy were better than The Last of Us something about The Last of Us didn't really click with me um, I think the immersion breaking between Joel and Ali, like her just running next to a clicker and kicking over pots and stuff sure, yeah. didn't really help but also the bond between them, I didn't feel, I don't know, as connected, as drawn into as much as I did with God of War. Um, I found with Last of Us, that's one of the games I've been most emotionally impacted by. But it was more the scripted out parts of the narrative than kind of the dynamic stuff. I think the moment when, uh, I guess spoilers, if you've never played it. You should have played it by uh, now, so bad luck. <laughs> uh, the the moment when Ellie kills that guy and Joel runs over and hugs her and says "baby girl" for the first time, like I got I got not quite teary, but I felt like getting teary. Like that was a pretty big emotion for a video game to kind of portray this this grieving father not wanting to let anyone into their life, suddenly appreciating this adopted daughter as a daughter. Um, pretty pretty good storytelling um see i just it just didn't connect with me for some reason i'm not entirely sure why because i initially thought it was because i'm not i'm not a parent i'm not a father but the god of war stuff hit me more than a lot more than the the last of Us stuff did so i don't know if it's the way it was done or just because those dead moments were filled in a lot more in god of war than they were the last of us so and go to war is phenomenal like there's just often in video games you hear the same annoying lines of dynamic dialogue over and over again mm-hmm. yeah go to war like never ran out of stuff to say like they just yeah. recorded so many hours of interesting conversation or reflections and often the reflections don't even have to be that long it could just be as subtle as grunts or especially at the parts of the story oh that was the other interesting thing the emotion of the characters changed 
the dialogue throughout the story. So if something had happened where they had had a fallout between Kratos and Boyd, um, <laughs> they would be angry with each other and it would totally change how they reflected on stuff they encountered in the world. I thought that was fascinating. It just, they really thought about how, what, how these characters at this point in the story, whereas I think a lot of games are written as, these are the characters' personalities and they stay the same the whole video game, regardless of what happens. Mm. Whereas think- these evolve as if they were actors or you're just watching their lives. Yeah. yeah, I think Harry's made a good point. There technically are camera cuts when you have the, the game over screen. Um, technically, Did you say but, Harry? Was it Harry? No, that's alright. <laughs> no, he's he's in, in the chat. He's in chat, isn't he? That's Tom. Oh, Tom, sorry. Flagra. <laughs> um, yeah, and he's technically correct. And yeah, not having a game over screen wouldn't have done that game any, any justice. Um, but yeah, I think it's still a technically a good feat. There you go. You set yeah. a reminder for you. He just said, his, "Thank you for the reminder that it's not Harry; it's Dom." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some video game stories that have really stuck. Who's Rans World? Rans, one of one of my friends. Um, oh, okay. One of big one of, special shout out to Rand. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone go like his his Facebook, his his Twitter, his, <laughs> oh, you, subscribe to his YouTube. One of the things that I've noticed playing um, State of Decay Two, in particular, is that it doesn't really have an overarching story. There's a little bit of radio chatter every now and then, but there are a lot of moments with your um, community members. So some of them bring in their own personal storylines and. The interactions you have with other communities have some small storylines as well that all add I think it's more adding to the world building than uh, like an overarching story but that's been fine I think that game is more driven by gameplay though um, but I, I was trying to think of more examples of emergent games that I've played and I can't really think of any um, yeah um I was just going to say, uh, I think Rainwell does a good job of, um, like, uh, environmental story and, like, building a world and stuff without, like, really subtly and without any... I think there's only, like, there's, there's like, hard, there's the only real dialogue in the game happens, like, right near, like, towards the end. Um, but for the most of it, it's all, like, just based on, like, what you can see and, and you, like, get to witness how the world's been left, I guess. You know, it's just... The world building around it's really good. Each kind of region is unique and um, very, I don't know, you know. You can piece the story together from, yeah. from the world. Um, well, yeah, and in each, because, uh, so in the game, it's basically like, you're given a premise. You're like this little creature that gets, um, that's like falls and like loses his family. He's like all alone and you have to go find them. Um, but you can just do whatever. You can go anywhere you want. Um, and just make your way in life, and uh, <clears throat> eventually you come to. I don't know. I don't want to like spoil anything if anyone's playing on playing it, but you um, meet these other sort of like android, like robots, along like these two robots that are like in on very end on the, each end of the world, or, like in like these like on the far end of the world, um, and you can throughout the game. There's like little colored pearls that you can find in each region, different colors. And if you pick them up and bring them over to um, uh, a specific one of these characters, they'll like start. To, they'll like explain like the lore of that 
region and um so like it's all depends on how willing you are to like learn about the lore by going to these regions traveling all the way back and um going to these worlds and exploring and stuff like that um but yeah i do like games where two players can have a very different experience of the story they might not get all the pieces the first mm. time through and that prompts discussion um i think one of the great joys yeah. of the wild was for months i was talking to friends and every friend had slightly different experiences of paths they had taken or just mechanics they had discovered um and their own little stories of what mishaps that had happened with enemy ai or with the chemistry system um I really enjoy um, Divinity, Original Sin 2, with different friend groups I've played with, we've triggered different events or focused on mm. different things. And it's been fun seeing different combat situations go down uh, really well or in flames <laughs> when you're trying to play it competitively. Um, and oh, there's another example, I'm gonna forget, or stuff like The Sims, um, you can have your whole house and life functioning and playing the game really well and then you go up into space and come back down with triplets and you ruin <laughs> your life just like in real life um stuff like that i think is uh cool well, just like in, have... just like in real life when the ladder from the pool disappears you suddenly drown and die <laughs> and social services <laughs> runs to the wall and, and then someone in your family hits on death as they come to reap your body um i it's think like real it's, life. it's cool when and the cool thing about games is it not everyone is reading the same story like if you lend someone a book you've both unless it's a picker and adventure book you've read the same book um whereas with a video game you can experience the same but it's going to be different like yeah. your path through the story is different um when i think it's done it's, well ooh, yeah yeah when it's done well if it's super linear skyrim I mean, is kind of like that as well the the overall main story is all the same, but your journey will be yeah. different. Never finish the main story mm. in Skyrim. Really? I'm so <laughs> distracted. And then by the time I remember to go back to the main story, I've modded the game so much, it's a huge mess and I need to restart. <laughs> <laughs> and it just doesn't work anymore. Story. Well, <laughs> favorite Skyrim, part of the story Skyrim's is reading how to get some side quests, but I don't think it's got <laughs> like choices that allow you to experience it differently. Like you can experience it in a different order, but. You're still there's so many things in your life in that game. Like there's, often, yeah. I like to play it as just a life simulator, and I walk around trying to be an NPC, but then, oh no, I'm also a werewolf, and I've installed like a realistic uh, <laughs> simulation. So when it's a full moon, I'm suddenly in a public space, and I try and run away before I transform. And if I transform, then I have to maul everything I see inside. Like that's a way to play in a story I've made up, unique to how I've chosen to play. Every time I play Skyrim, I just feel hard like, With mods and stuff, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like you can apply, if you're willing to do that, you can apply that to tons of different stories. Tons of different games. But sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you also want to bring up your favourite thing, Ben, which was audio tape? <laughs> Story so audio tapes. Storytelling mechanics that I hate. I hate audio tapes. I hate some can be interesting, but like games that do mass exposition in audio tapes, where you have to go through a menu and select the audio thing, and you have to listen to it in the menu. If there's no option to walk around and keep playing the game, that's the worst. I'm kind of glad you mm. clarified that because I was thinking. 
was one of the great things I thought about Bioshock was you can pick one up and still explore while the audio tapes yeah. play in the background and you're learning about generally like the area that you're in or someone that was in the area you're in while you're exploring it. Um, and audio tapes work better in, in the scary kind of environment. Like Bioshock, listening to your audio tape makes me feel more scared because I'm like, whoa, there was real people living here and now they're all messed up mutants. And mm. they start foreshadowing creepy splices that I'm going to encounter. Um, like, I remember there's one audio tape from Bioshock 1 about some guy's butthole, like, falling off. Like, <laughs> what does that work? Are you sure, man? About, like, that doesn't sound right. Early in the game, I think before you encounter the doctor, and she's talking about like she's taking started taking a lot of the splicing juice, and like she's starting to get more and more decrepit. And, and one issue is like uh, her butt is like getting really rancid, um, and I just that like sticks with me because it was so like morbid and. Ugh. Um, so I think that's when audio tapes work really well um, when they're about they can... decrepit butt. Crippled buttons. <laughs> um, but like, there's like, uh, Phantom Pain, um, which has, at the same time, some of the world's best storytelling mechanics and some of the world's worst storytelling mechanics. At the end of the game, obviously, because the game is not finished. Spoiler alert. Like Fifty thousand audio tapes, and the tapes are great because you can listen to them while out on missions and you can listen to 80s soundtracks and stuff. It's one of the better listening to stuff tapes. You can even play a guy on a toilet and then you can play that when you're hiding in toilets and the guards will leave you alone because it sounds they like hear you having a hard time and they get grossed out and they walk away. Like mechanically the, the tape player is the best thing. But um, at the end of the game, it just gives you so much exposition and it's not interesting and you don't have any more game to play to listen to the tapes um yeah so why would you do, why would you do that at the end of the game so There's, silly there the is game more game afterwards no but like but yeah i get your point pretty much cut and yeah, yeah. Rushed. um anyway the other storytelling mechanic that i hate is um story corridors where you're playing this really fun game you're batman you're flying around the city and then you have to go to find a position <laughs> and you stop and you land on the ground and you walk down a corridor for 30 minutes while NPCs talk at you. And 30 you, minutes? The game, the game <laughs> takes away your... You're restricted to just walking at a snail's pace. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 did that egregiously with the, the Death River, was it? Like every oh, enemy you killed in the game, no, you got to walk different. through. Oh, it's different because it's Metal Gear and Ben's got a boner for Hideo Kojima. No, 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 no. It's different because <laughs> that's a mechanic. If you if you don't kill people in that game, you don't encounter anyone in that river, so you get through it much quicker. If who doesn't kill people, anyone in a Metal Gear Solid? Easy to not kill people in three. You just trank everyone. Uh, that's the get good mode: is tranking everyone in a Metal Gear game. But they can't uh, come after you if they're dead. They Usually, can't come after you if they're unconscious. Yeah, but they'll wake up yeah. and then come after you. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Um, but yeah, I hate I hate story corridors. Um, lazy, like. But then I also hate like if it's open world and people are just talking to you. 
So, I don't know. I don't mind cutscenes. I don't know why everyone hates cutscenes as a story delivery system. I like watching a cool extra animated cutscene to tell me stuff. I hate when you're I following an NPC that walks slower than you do, and <laughs> you have, you to, have to keep tapping them. the thumbstick. Yeah, and they're telling you story, and you can't skip it. Um, there was a there was a moment in Far Cry Five that did that, and because I played with Jackie, we did it once on hers, and then had to sit through it all again when we played it through on my game. Hmm. That was painful. I especially hate when the NPC walks faster than your walk, but slower than your run. Yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I'm pretty sure Skyrim is guilty of that, and it's just... Mm -hmm. oh, like, I don't mind walking around at walking pace, like, if it makes sense in the story and all that kind of thing. But don't make me walk and then run and then walk and then run to keep up. Yeah. Yeah, your, um, yes. Red Dead Redemption had a thing where you could, if you held down, while you're on your horse with, um, and you held down the A button, you'd match your speed with the NPCs. So like during oh, like when they're talking to you. I'm fantastic. surprised that other people have not done that. Mm. Of course. It's this awful escort mission in Final Fantasy XIV and the MMO, where I had to <laughs> escort an NPC by using emotes to get it to walk forward. Wow. But uh. it walked so slowly that <laughs> the enemies that I was trying to kill in front of it would respawn by the time it got where I was, and it was just a nightmare. <laughs> it was so yuck. Ah, Yakuza apparently does that too, Connor. I don't remember following someone yeah. in Yakuza. I've never played any of the Yakuza games. I want to, but I think... Oh, you should. They're good. Mm. US localization market. I don't have... Aren't they... They're only on, like, PlayStation. They're, like, only Sony, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, well, I don't have a PlayStation. Or yeah, any of the Playstations that they're on. Okay, I'll just I'll just grab all the money out of my bank and just buy a PlayStation. Yeah, they problem solved. Okay, all well, good point. <laughs> I don't want to buy a PlayStation yet. Why? They just announced that it's in the end of its life cycle. Now it's a perfect time to buy it. <laughs> I got a PlayStation Two, but like, not many games on it. Oh, Kiwami. I haven't played Kiwami. That's why. Um, are you done with story, Ben? Well, I was going to ask if you guys had examples of game stories that you thought were really fantastic or what Oh, Abzu is amazing for stories. Story. Really I'm really yeah. engaged. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, a couple of ones that impacted me in various ways um, were the Banner Saga, um, To the Moon, Kentucky Route Zero. Um, I sort of... I, I don't really have much to say about them, but just like calling them out as... Yeah. Having sort of consistently um, sort of good quality storytelling. Um, well, the the Banner Saga, saga does have um, choice, like the, the choices you make within the game are impactful and meaningful and have an emotional impact as you go forwards, um, which is pretty cool. Which is good for um, a, like a tactics RPG because you that's all about consequence of choice. Yeah. Um. I also wanted to mention uh, Beyond Eyes, which you probably haven't heard of, but it's a tiny little game uh, where you play as a blind girl, um, and at, from the start of the game, like everything is completely white. You can't see ever anything. But whenever you get close enough to anything to touch it, um, the game paints it in in like watercolor. Mm. Um, uh, so. 
yeah so a as you kind of explore the world and explore the environment it um you get to sort of tell the story piece by piece it's sort of really beautiful it's hard to explain but like go look up a trailer of it or something <laughs> i don't know yeah. just, is this just one of the true games that were made about blind people and i think when at e3 or some dev convention one of them had been hyping up we're, we're making this game about blind people and it's gonna be the first game where like you don't see things on screen and then like at the development convention thing before they could officially announce their game another studio announced one that was like identical <laughs> but slightly better and they were like oh, oh dang, we didn't see so this good. coming um i don't know <laughs> possibly <laughs> I, I don't know I mean, you, you can see things, you just have to like walk up to them and like touch them to know that they're there, and then you can yeah. see them. But um, it's a Dark Souls game. What? <laughs> it's the Dark Souls of blind people. Yeah, imagine if you couldn't I see mean, what was like in front of you. You can't you die in it. It'll be very unplayable. <laughs> um, yeah, what was... Oh, and another cool sort of approach to telling stories is Never Alone, which is you play... Um, it. It's a game based on a, um, oh, what's the word? It's not Inuit. Uh, is it Anupput? Yeah. Uh, I think, I, I can't remember, but, um, the native people of Alaska, anyway, um, mm -hmm. have, Alaskans. Uh, <laughs> have, um, a fairy tale that this game is based on, um, and you're playing as this girl who's, um, sort of trekking across the land to stop a ice giant from creating a storm or something. I can't really remember the story exactly. But um Oh wait, I know what you're talking about. Um but as you go through the game, um it gives you access to sort of little um video clips, um like of like doco type video clips that they've taken of um like actual people who are descended from the thing, yeah those people um and yeah and it just sort of explores their experiences with sort of their culture and um sort of what remains of their lifestyle and that kind of thing um and i thought it was yeah whoever ransworth is i think that's right um inuit is that how you pronounce it no it's not oh, you it's a different thing. tribe i think I, I can't remember anyway um, it's it, I guess it's not extremely important for what I'm talking about, but yeah, it's a, basically adapting a fairy tale like that. I thought was a, a perfect way of um, exploring and educating about a, a culture. Um, so games have potential, <laughs> kind of thing. I guess. Is the uh, point. Well, I've always wondered. Like, I guess people don't want to make it because there's not much money in education, but. Um, I've wondered why, now that we have open world games, we don't use them to make really accurate historical dioramas. Like, mm. I guess the closest would be like Assassin's Creed, but that's filled with so much like cheesy gimmicks. Mm. Why aren't there games where they try and as accurately as possible recreate a culture and then you just like see what the marketplace was like or like I the architecture? I think VR mm. is kind of doing that. There's a few like interactive museums and stuff. I know it's not quite what you're talking about, but VR might open the space to do that a little bit more. Um, yeah. But yeah. also could, it's could a small market because not everyone has a VR unit. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Probably mm. money, man. The world's yeah. ruled by money, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just not enough demand for it. it like, it, it takes a lot yeah. of effort to, to make something like that work. Yeah. It'd be a fantastic The money is in action. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't think people were that interested like, in something like, super realistic. Days, anyway. like, learning from little side stories or just observing. Like, I don't know. I think that'd be really powerful learning tools. I'm sure there's like a simulator out there where you can just. It's VR chat, which is fascinating people. to study contemporary oh. culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What a great story. That, I that game has. honestly can't think of. That's a bit sad. I think I played too many games, so I can't think of. So now you have game Alzheimer's. Any any great yeah. stories that stick with me through time? Um, there's a lot of games which I enjoy at the time, like I love the Elder Scroll games. And the Fallout games, even though the stories aren't amazing, like the mainline stories. Um, I thought God of War was done quite well, um, but that's probably just because I played it recently, so I can remember it. <laughs> um, yeah, but we, we were talking earlier about it's really hard for an existing franchise to take a game story and change it completely. God of War is proof that it can be done, and it can be done quite well. They sacrifice a lot of what people expected from the God of War series being this heavy slaughter everything game to focusing on the theme of a father raising a son and stripping back boss fights to focus on that theme so it wasn't too bloated or bogged down and that was a very ballsy thing to do especially in the current state of the game industry mm. well they say they took five years to do it but for me I, I had no Having not played a God of War, I had no expectations of what it should be, I guess. Um, but I guess I'm on the PlayStation side of things, I'd probably be in the minority. Um, but so I, I guess I can't really say how risky it would have been, but yeah, I think you're right in that it, it paid off quite well. Like, I'll, I'll play the next one. Um, yeah, based purely off the latest one. I've, I've got a list here of um, games that I feel have impacted me or I think did something slightly interesting with their story. Are we yeah. allowed to tell you if you're wrong? Yes. Um, well, I feel like <laughs> it's more a matter of opinion anyway. It's kind of no wrong answers. Um, Top of my list is um, Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. That story was really innovative for its time because it was a game made basically on a bet. We can make a Zelda game in one year. And they did that, but they did that by recycling assets from the game. Yet they came up with an entirely original story that involved time travel and resetting the game script three days. And so the story becomes lives but at the end of each three days everything resets um, and if you don't succeed everyone dies I recently mentioned to a friend that technically every time you reset you've like doomed everyone to die until you get the true ending of that game um, and I think there's a lot of cool like like stories like marriages breaking up and husbands uh, fathers trying to kill their daughters and stuff that was really dark as a kid, especially in the 64 era. Wait, this uh, was all so in Majora's Mask? Really me. What? That was all in Majora's Mask? Yeah, yeah. All the little side that stories is, that, that is very dark. 
especially for a <laughs> Nintendo game. So, so one of the things is there's this daughter going to her father's house, uh, and when she gets, she like she takes like three days to get there. But when she gets to her the closet, her father jumps out and he's turned himself into this mummy and tries to eat her flesh. And you have to get there to stop that from happening, and that unlocks the sequence to access that region. But like any time you don't intervene in that event, you've doomed that girl to die <laughs> over again. <laughs> <laughs> so there's uh, like all the Gorons freeze on the mountain if you don't do that particular part of the um, game. So it, it's very dark and had all these heavy themes about death. And, uh, a lot of people have a fan theory that it's the, the five stages of grief. Um, but um, yeah, the, just the heaviness of there is as a kid kind of very much resonated with me. Um, yeah. Final Fantasy VII, um, I have. It probably ages poorly each year but holds up in everyone's memory because it was just at the time a game that told a big story like this diesel punk sci-fi setting which was big for rpgs at that time um, very oh. rememberable rememberable interesting things rememberable <laughs> it's very rememberable um, and we'll all very, be able to rememorate it soon when right. the remaster um, comes out <laughs> i'm looking forward to <laughs> digging up those old remember rates um so I think Final Fantasy VII was good for storytelling. A Chrono Trigger, I think, is the best story. Um, again, about time travel, so I obviously have a bias. A lot um, of yours are also, like, RPGs. Or... Yeah, well, I think it's the investment as well. I think yeah. these had long stories that held up the whole way through. I think a lot of the day, times these days, RPGs rely on a lot of Japanese cliches and, and tropes. Um, I played Xenoblade Chronicles 2 recently, nearly all the way through, and I enjoyed some parts of the story, but a lot of it was like, oh, this is so... Oh, I'm a hero, and my friends are my power, and now I'm being lost, losing to the bad guy, and now I've got my heart magic love sword, and now I can defeat them. And it was so... Sounds like a Sonic game. Draining, <laughs> yeah. Whereas Chrono Trigger had a lot of, like, depth of... of whole civilization to get wiped out based on time travel. You actually don't find out the main plot of the game until you finish a smaller scale story. You kind of wrap up that story and then you learn about this apocalyptic future, time and stuff that can happening, and so I really enjoy Chrono Trigger. Um, Last of Us is probably where I've gotten the most emotional yeah. in video game. Uh, super, yeah, super predictable, <laughs> super predictable story, um, and poorly done connection. Next, <laughs> was a fun story. Um, it kind of taught me the value of like comedy and quirkiness in a video game. Every character uh, is quite alive uh, with personality and often sarcastic about the game that they're in. What was and that? Sorry, Andrew Kazooie. Oh, it's quite a sarcastic story to it good motivation to get all the collectibles um, and I think that's why it holds up as a slightly better 3D platformer than ones with no personality um, like you Mass Effect Mass Effect is probably one of the greatest experiments in video game storytelling we've ever had um, having very binary choices but being able to carry that save data over to the next game I think it's weird we don't we have so many sequels but very few games let you import your save data um, i'd like to see that feature used more 
because it's kind of a Bioware thing, isn't it? Did they do it in Dragon Age 2? Kind of. It, not with the same impact. You can yeah. even do it in 3, but it was not very important. But Mass Effect was the sequel, you're directly the same character you were in the first game, and all your choices still matter. They obviously dropped the ball in the third game. Um, but, like, for the long time, I was speculating with friends, and we were anxious for the next release of the Mass Effect game to know what's going to happen, how's our story going to wrap up, how's it going to play out differently. As soon as there's a franchise that gets this right, choice in the video game and consequence in the sequel, Jim Pack. Um, I thought you were going to say, but they redeemed it with Andromeda. Redeemed it with Andromeda by scrapping all the story. <laughs> By ruining the franchise in all aspects. We're tired, so I understand why it turned out how it did. Um, I have the Paper Mario and the Mario Luigi franchise. Again, just a really fun, quirky little stories to experience. Um, and Paper Mario, the first one, really brought to life the Mushroom Kingdom when, as a kid, you didn't really get story in a Mario game. Um, the Metal Gear franchise for infinite number of reasons each story is very specifically crafted sometimes to even be parody or meta commentary on its own story set up um, but my favorite is uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 which is basically the best spy movie ever written um, and just beat for beat nails that genre as well as having a lot of interesting ideas and gameplay that sync up with that story really well um, Final Fantasy 10 was the first time I realized how big a video game story could be. It was one of the first, like, I guess, properly 3D PS2 RPGs I played and with voice acting all the way through the game. Um, so that kind of blew my mind when I was young. Obviously, it ages terribly with each year, like most Final Fantasy games. Um, but that was a big one, being, like, visually how a fantasy world can look and how characters can sound, even if their laughter uh, sounds terrible. Ah, oh, it's the one with that stupid clip. Or weird lines like old lady being like, stay away from the summoner when you try and walk near the female character, but you're not allowed to. Um, the Batman Arkham series I've thoroughly enjoyed, um, and I think they hold up as some of the best Batman novels quotation mark ever written like they took a lot of elements from what is popular in batman across movies comic books and other media and put them together into a really uh holistic experience of being batman in a batman universe and i think that was something very unique that only a game could do spider-man for ps4 is the same thing but for spider-man like the definitive spider-man experience because in a game you can see spider-man in motion whereas even watching a movie or reading a comic, you can't see exactly that freedom of Spider-Man's movement. He's locked to a linear script. Um, Jesus Christ, Ben. How many games have you played, Ben? <laughs> games did you write down? <laughs> Portal 2 is obviously... Portal 2 is a good um, one. ...groundbreaking for storytelling and comedy. Um, and in a game that usually you wouldn't have a story, but they were able to put one in and engage the player the, the whole way through. The music in that is really good. Um, I mentioned Divinity Original Sin 2, but creating a story with friends is incredibly fun. Um, and solving problems together, or not solving problems. <laughs> uh, Monkey Island series, or point-and-click adventure games in general, 
Again, that's how I learned that games could be great avenues of comedy and uh, fourth wall breaking and um, just delight using mechanics to unlock and progress through a story. Uh, the Persona series, um, letting you live out a life as well as battling monsters in an abstract dungeon based on uh, Carl Jung's psychology um, is a good slice of life kind of storytelling. Um, and The Witcher 3 is basically a novel. It's the only time I've played a game and felt like I just read through a whole novel. Uh, Witcher 3 does story better than any game, I think, in terms of telling a narrative. And it's just like hundreds of these little well-crafted stories put together. Um, of Gerald. Uh, so these are games that I've just really enjoyed the story in, I think. I think The Witcher does, um, or, or 3 in particular, does a really good job of having meaningful side quests that have story attached to them. Like, it's not just go and collect 10 of my chickens and bring them back. Oh, thank you. Like, it usually fits into the lore of the world, fits into the lore of the characters, and has a bit more a bit more depth to it. Um, but the I overall... I Sorry? Uh, well, I think the reason which the three worked is because a lot of the time the story didn't revolve around the main character. I think oftentimes video games get too wrapped up in the protagonist and unless they're the center of it but in the witcher 3 you're just the guy walking around solving other people's problems and the story is happening in the world around you and you just happen to be there or dragged into it mm. um, I, I kind of think that's why the story works is gerald is basically like wolverine and wolverine works when he's just thrown into a story that he's not really can be the same kind of character um yeah i was gonna say but at the end of the day i can't remember too much about the overall main story in Witcher 3. <laughs> the story is a bit weak. It's got a strong romance. But I think it's the DLC stories that are the strongest parts of that game. Oh, they've um, taken the bungee effect and will fix the game in paid content. Yeah, well, I mean, very generously <laughs> priced paid content. Yeah. Uh, I paid like 11 bucks and got like 60 hours of gameplay, so I'm yeah, really that's, not complaining. That's fair enough. Hey guys, I finished Abzu. <laughs> Congratulations! Oh, hey, <laughs> I feel enlightened. Yeah. Fancy um, Connor, do you have journey you had when you finished Journey? I think it might I be didn't wrap up. Didn't it? actually finish Journey. Yeah, I'm honest. I guess we've reached the end of our story. As <laughs> <laughs> uh, expect that Connor would be the final boss. I sure as heck didn't. What are you talking about? <laughs> Ben's narrative. Don't. <laughs> next time. Ben, don't. <laughs> the Not on the podcast, Ben. Alright. I can't believe Clancy don't was killed halfway through the game and he <laughs> lost all the gear that was equipped to him. What a twist. Do, do I love when next time to Ben betrayed everyone. Did I betray them? Or yes. will I betray them? Ben, if they want to hear the conclusion of the story, where would they go? DLC to find the conclusion. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you want to hear more podcasts or us rant about more things, um, we are on the iTunes podcast app. Um, you can search for us there. We are on Wooshka. To a new Android related device. Castbox. We're on Castbox. Castbox. We're on Stitcher. Why? Stitcher. 
because I haven't even heard iTunes, of, of these things. <laughs> iTunes isn't on Android yeah, devices. Sewing. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, I was gonna make a Twitter, but I haven't yet. <laughs> look, look forward. Imagine us on well, Twitter. Look forward to a Twitter in six months. Well, uh, no, stop. All right, <laughs> stop. I did the damn art. For... Do you want to do more? <laughs> no. Yes, fine. do more art. If you'd um, like to see Connor do more art, uh, please like and subscribe and uh, tell your friends if you've got the courage. Um, but we understand if you don't. Do uh, you even like and subscribe on Twitch? Is that a thing? Um, uh, you can uh, subscribe. Please, if you want to s- you like us on DeviantArt, it's SonicFanXX. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like that. <laughs> you won't like you if you like that. <laughs> Some um, of this information is actually more. accurate. Thanks <laughs> to uh, Flagra012 and uh, Ramsworld for joining us in the chat. Um, Oh, you're always welcome to join us during live recording. Yeah, I was the other one. Me, I was the other one even talking to Tom. You guys were just ignoring him. I'm kind of busy playing a game. Contest. We're trying to wrap a up a game that you loved. Yes. Uh, so yeah, feel free to participate and uh, communicate with us as much as you want. If you want us to request a topic, we will probably do it because we're that because desperate. We're desperate. We need money. We need attention. Yeah, please. Um, but yeah, join us next time on the bonus. We're in the red. The dead collectors are at the door. Bye. Why do we need money? This what what budget does this podcast have? None. I'm Clancy. We all get paid. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, we forgot about. No. We forgot to tell you about that, Clancy. Have you not received your payment oh, yet? Lost. <laughs> all right. I'm I'm gonna, when I say go in three, two, one, go.